What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Monday, March 8th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day. We're like Meghan Markle. We never Googled each other before meeting as hosts. Yeah, I just assumed that Gideon was a royal. I've been very disappointed ever since. (laughs) (laughs) On today's show, the future of the filibuster and voting rights reform, then some headlines. But first, the latest. The yeas are 50 the days of 49, the bill as amended is passed. Ah, yeah, everybody, we did it. It's been a long time coming, but they finally did something in the Congress, right? So that clip was the moment the Senate passed the $1.9 trillion economic relief bill on Saturday in a 50 to 49 vote with no Republicans voting in favor. It took a 24-hour-plus session to get it done with various holdouts along the way. Next, the House must pass the new bill before it goes to President Biden's desk where it'll be signed in the coming days. So we are one really, really, really big step closer. But Gideon, let's start with what's in this bill and how different it is from the House version. Yeah, so it's pretty close to the House bill, but with Mm -hmm. a few important exceptions. First, one of the more glaring absences was the $15 minimum wage hike that was in the House bill, but not in the Senate package, given the parliamentarians ruling. And there actually was a moment when senators did have the opportunity to vote on including the wage hike, though, and eight, yes, eight Democratic senators Mm -hmm. voted against doing that. One of the more high-profile moments that drew a lot of flack was the way in which Senator Sinema of Arizona did that dramatic thumbs-down video that I'm sure everybody's seen. Uh, The other senators who were against it were Manchin, Shaheen, Hassan, Carper, Coons, Tester, and King. Then, in the House, Representative Pramila Jayapal, Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair, said that she was, quote, extremely disappointed that the minimum wage was not included. But the statement didn't seem to indicate that House progressives are going to be against this bill when it goes back there. Yeah, and there were some other changes as well. The Senate bill lowers the income threshold for stimulus checks, capping eligibility at 80K for an individual or 160K for a couple. And that's down from 100K and 200K in the House bill. But what else got changed? Yeah, that and another major holdup came from Senator Joe Manchin. I have a feeling we're going to be saying that a lot from now on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on unemployment benefits, he was not on board with a plan to raise the weekly amount from $300 to $400. According to the New York Times, the plan from Biden (laughs) and the House was to raise it and extend it through the end of August. Manchin, among others, thought that that was too much. Democrats came Mm -hmm. back with this offer to keep the benefits at $300 but extend to October and add forgiveness and taxes on unemployment benefits. That also did not work for Mr. Manchin either. Then Mm. the final deal was $300 a week ending September 6th. So a lot of the focus over the weekend was on these limits and concessions to conservative Democrats. But the final bill is still predicted to have a vast impact on poverty in the U.S., which kind of comparatively flew under the radar as all of this was being negotiated. 
Yeah. I mean, big picture, this is a massive relief bill that's going to get a lot of money out to people with low and moderate incomes. And by some estimates, it'll cut child poverty in half. So let's talk about that. Yeah, there are the $1,400 stimulus checks, which go to individuals, but also parents get $1,400 for each dependent as well, instead of a partial payment like in the CARES Act last year. Then on top of that, the bill also expands the child tax credit to $3,000 or $3,600, depending on how old your kid is. So in total, from just those two parts of the bill, a family of four would get over $8,500. You spread that out across families across the country. That's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. The impacts could be enormous here. Uh, Columbia University's Center on Poverty and Social Policy said that the bill will reduce overall poverty by a third, lifting 13 million people out of it and reducing child poverty by more than half, as you said. According to the Times, more than 93% of children would receive benefits under the plan. So the programs aren't permanent, but the hope is that once this gets instituted, it's going to remain. There are tons of wealthy countries that provide this kind of help for children and families, but we're extremely bad at the whole government doing things for regular people bit, so hopefully this does stick around. Yeah, it's definitely high time we did something for the people of this country. All right, so uh, that's some of the policy and politics in and around the bill. What are some of your big takeaways from this big first legislation so far? Yeah, so one of the things people that are smarter than me pointed out is that this is hopefully a sign that some Democrats learn from mistakes of not doing nearly enough during the last recession. For reference, the stimulus bill passed in 2009 during the financial crisis got negotiated down to about $800 billion. Now, Democrats like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer say trimming it back prolonged the recession. They didn't want to make that same mistake again. The other thing is what a 50-50 Senate is going to look like. So on the one hand, it emphasizes the importance of Democrats winning two Senate seats in Georgia two senators who effectively ran on this bill. And on the other, it emphasizes how people like Manchin and Cinema could hold things up in the future, things like minimum wage or the filibuster. Mm-hmm. Though in a series of interviews yesterday, I will say Manchin indicated even he could have a change of heart on filibuster reform. Here's a clip from one of those interviews on Fox News. I'm supporting the filibuster. I'm going to continue to support the filibuster. I think it defines who we are as a Senate. I'll make it harder to get rid of it, but it should be painful if you want to use it. Yeah, so it's a little confusing, but he seems to want to keep it, but also suggests that filibustering should be the old talking filibuster model, whereby basically people in the minority party would have to literally stand and talk until they relent, after which there would be a simple majority threshold vote. If that is what Joe is saying, I would love for him to explain further, it would be an improvement that could allow things like voting rights reforms to pass with just 50 votes and the tiebreaker from Vice President Harris, which brings us to our next story. Yeah. On that note, yesterday was the 56th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, where civil rights activists dared to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and were met with extreme violence from police. Sound familiar? Uh, The reasons for these civil rights protests were vast, but one major reason for this particular march was to give African Americans their constitutional right to vote. You may notice, again, some similarities to the ways in which some members of society still don't want black people to vote today. This year was the first anniversary of the event since John Lewis's passing. It comes days after House Democrats passed H.R. 1 to expand voting rights an issue that Lewis had made his life's work. The bill and attempts before it, as you said, are a perfect example of Democratic bills that cannot ever pass with consistent partisanship from the right and the filibuster. Yep, uh, that word is going to be the death of me. Uh, Biden marked the day by signing an executive order aimed at expanding voting access. Yeah, and he made a statement saying, quote, every eligible voter should be able to vote and have that vote counted. If you have the best ideas, you have nothing to hide. Let the people vote, which was not so subtly aimed at reactionary Republicans. On that executive order, it basically directs the heads of all federal agencies to submit proposals to promote voter registration and participation within 200 days. He doesn't have a lot of executive authority here, which is why he also called on Congress to address voting rights. 
Yeah, and all this is happening as Republicans continue trying to roll back voter access. We've talked about this a lot in the aggregate, but let's talk about one specific instance in John Lewis's home state. Yes. Okay. So a perfect example is legislation advancing in Georgia right now that targets weekend voting, which unsurprisingly is a direct attack on black church going voters who take part in souls to the polls on Sundays and similar events, which is funny how Republicans are constantly decrying so-called Christian oppression while actively legislating against black Christians because they cannot win elections with their policy proposals. (laughs) Maybe if they spent less time boohooing about Mr. Potato Head and books they've never read not being published because of a company's (laughs) right to say what the fuck they want to sell, they could win an election without cheating. Similar legislation aimed at stopping the Democrats' black base is being proposed across the country. And just in case it bears repeating, Republicans are doing the racism out loud now. So we'll keep following this and pressuring Congress to stop the filibuster, if only to make America the democracy it purports to want to be. Lastly, if you want to learn more about H.R. 1, head to votesaveamerica.com slash for the people, where you can see what's in the bill and help make sure it gets passed so these shitty bills in Georgia don't. And that's the latest for now. It's Monday Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we've got an extremely hard-to-relate-to story about finance. Elon Musk lost $27 billion last week as Tesla's stock fell hard after a year of massive gains. Tech stocks were down in general last week, and Tesla was no exception. Musk's losses mean he is no longer the richest man in the world. Boo-hoo! His net worth is now about $157 billion compared to Bezos's $177 billion. So, giddy, now that you've processed these numbers, what's your reaction here? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been there, you know, hard, hard relate um, <laughs> to definitely understand going <laughs> yeah. through an experience like this totally checks out for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I feel like these two guys are probably going to be like trading spots like this for a while. Um, and it seems like the only reason that Elon falls on, quote unquote, financial troubles, if you could even call this that is he seems just a lot more reckless. Like, I don't really know what he does on a day to day with his finances and who handles it. But um, he he definitely seems to be like swinging around more in that in that upper echelon. But, you know, I think I think he is going to be OK. That's my yeah. encouraging word to him. Honestly, curious if his life has changed at all, to be completely honest. I don't know how it could have. But same question for you, Akila. This is a truly tragic development. How are you processing it? I mean, you know, I think that the way I process it is the way I process all of these numbers. And I roll my eyes and I think nothing is real. We are all just pretending that money is an actual thing. And at any point, we could all just agree that it's not. But uh, in reality, I know that that's not the case. Um, I think that it's it's pretty shocking that someone can lose that much money in a week. And I also think that, like, when the market is this volatile, it's really hard to put a lot of stake in it as, like, the thing that we can say is uh, reflective of the country. Like, this might be the first time it feels reflective of the country in the entire pandemic. You know, the mm-hmm. last year has been nothing but rising stocks. Uh, Tesla was, I think, you know, at $1.900. So it's really shocking <laughs> that it was ever that high to begin with. It's cars. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, again, this is all kind of funny money. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the electric car future can bring him back. But honestly, maybe we should just get to the point where we recognize that people having billions of dollars is unethical. And when you lose it like that, it's even more unethical because like, wow, 27 billion would at least have paid for my student loans, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, just like that, we have checked our temps. Stay safe. Hey, maybe invest in yourself and uh, we'll be back (laughs) after some ads. 
Well, today is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific you get flowers you're getting flowers everyone's (laughs) getting flowers (laughs) go to books.com and use promo code wad for 25 percent off that is b-o-u-q-s.com promo code wad books promo code wad what a day is brought to you by fast growing trees fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the u.s with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, Okay. This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Top state lawmakers in New York are calling for Andrew Cuomo's resignation after more allegations of sexual harassment against the governor. The leader of the state Senate, Democrat Andrea Stewart-Cousins, was the most prominent New York state official to call for Cuomo's resignation over the weekend. She said his scandals were drawing attention away from the state's handling of COVID. Cuomo is currently facing sexual harassment allegations from five women, with two former aides coming forward over the weekend. Cuomo told reporters that he will not be resigning because of the allegations and even suggested that one of the women, Karen Hinton, had political motives for speaking out. Cuomo's attempts to downplay nursing home deaths last summer, another thing, is also looking worse and worse, with the news last week that his office actively removed more accurate numbers from a July report from the New York State Health Department. Around the same time, Cuomo was starting to write his book on his handling of the pandemic. 
Well, I think I have some edits for him. Uh, a majority of voters in Switzerland approved a near-total ban on full face coverings yesterday, which includes burkas and niqabs. The proposal was created by the right-wing Swiss People's Party. It doesn't specifically mention Islam, but it's widely known as the burqa ban. Under the new rule, religious face coverings will be banned in all public places, including streets, offices, and public transportation. The only exceptions are inside places of worship or other sacred sites. Tourists and other visitors are also forced to abide by the ban, and face masks for COVID don't count. Several religious and civil rights groups within the country have criticized the proposal, calling it anti-Muslim and an infringement on religious rights. Switzerland joined several other European countries that have imposed full, partial, or local bans on religious face coverings like France, Germany, and Denmark. Moving on to bigotry at home, a new report from Axios showed that state Republicans have introduced more laws targeting trans youth in the last two months than they did in all of 2020. Of the 60 bills brought forward, 41 of them were to exclude trans youth from playing on sports teams that match with their gender identity. Other bills were to make gender-affirming care for trans youth illegal. The crackdown on children existing while trans has been seen as a reaction to progress at the federal level, specifically the election of Joe Biden and a 2020 Supreme Court ruling that made it illegal to fire employees for being gay or trans. More broadly, attacking trans kids fits with the culture war-type issues Republicans have used to fire up their base. You know, maybe it's time to cancel Shel Silverstein or pick from Winnie the Pooh as a distraction. Yes, I guess we should keep canceling dead people and animated characters. Uh, antibodies could become this summer's must-have travel accessory as countries around the globe consider implementing vaccine passports as a requirement for crossing borders. Israel rolled out their Green Pass last month, which allows more than half of the population that's vaccinated to access gyms, hotels, theaters, and more. In the EU, Greece and Spain are pushing for a similar program for traveling in between member states. The tourism-dependent economies make them extremely open to the idea of a vaccination express card. In general, the ethics of vaccination passports are murky and they have the potential to reinforce inequality. Critics also fear the passports could lead to vaccine skepticism by making the shot appear government mandated. This won't solve the problem, but another way to prove you're vaccinated is by happy crying all the time and loudly thanking the world for being so, so beautiful. That's what I plan to do to travel anyway. Yeah, I'm going to be in that airport lounge crying. And those are the headlines. <laughs> That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, help us find Elon Musk's $27 billion and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just hot takes on Kirsten Cinema's thumbs down like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and don't, don't lose, lose your, your vaccine, vaccine passport. passport. Yeah, or else you're just going to have to stay home like you're already doing. Mm-hmm. They're very expensive to fake, too. You know, I don't know a guy who could do that. Today is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm. 
It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.